Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Welcome to another episode of Broad Eye. Uh, today we have as our guest the CEO of Enchroma, a California-based company, uh, Mark Madison Shupnik. Uh, how's it going, Mark? Thanks for accepting our invite. It's going well, Bruno. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, I, you know, like I, I, I came across your company recently, and uh, like shame on me, I, I wasn't aware that there was a uh, some eyeglasses that uh, could be so helpful for people with color deficiencies. And uh, before we get into the product, which I'm super excited uh, about, uh, you know, color deficiency, color blindness, it's like one of those uh, medical conditions that. Uh, pretty much everyone already heard about, but very few people understand exactly what it is. Right? A lot of people think that they see black and white, but uh, uh, it ain't the case. So, so before we get into the product, can you uh, explain a bit like what color deficiency actually is and all the different types of it? Sure, I'd be, be happy to. And it's, it's really a wonderful topic because it's all around us. It affects one in 12 men and one in 200 women. And as you said, it's, it's commonly referred to as colorblind, but that's really not the case at all. And people who are quote colorblind are more accurately described as being color vision deficient or they confuse colors. Um, and that forms the sort of the basis of their issues. And it becomes a real problem of course in school where early education is color-based, but people have learned to live with it. There has not been a solution before in Chroma. And, um, you know, I, I think we're working very hard to change awareness of colorblindness, color vision deficiencies, probably a more accurate term, and to describe and show and sell, obviously, our um, simple but elegant product as eyeglasses. So let me spend a, a few minutes talking about colorblindness and I'll use the colloquial term colorblindness because it's the most well-known. Um, it doesn't mean that somebody sees in black and white. They see colors that are confused. Reds become browns, greens become white. So think about a traffic light. And when a person who's color vision deficient comes up to a traffic light the red light is browner, uh, turns orange or it's brown, and the green traffic light could be white actually. And in fact, the brightness of those colors is also reduced and they're quite dull. In fact, someone at a traffic light who's moderately color deficient might not actually see the lights change unless they stare at the lights and they don't actually see that same kind of brightness. So it affects a variety of different things. Um, there are two types of uh, congenital uh, color deficiencies. Um, you can be green deficient or red deficient. The technical terms are DUTAN, D-E-U-T-A-N, or PROTAN, P-R-O-T-A-N. That's red deficient. And the, uh, there is a third kind of colorblindness. It's called TRITAN, and that's a blue deficiency. But that's acquired, and I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that. I think you have some 
um, questions we'll get into and talk about acquired color deficiency. So the most common forms are this red-green colorblindness, and that's what you'll hear. Somebody will describe themselves as red-green colorblind. It turns out they're actually either green color vision deficient or red color vision deficient, but the effect on the way in which they confuse colors is about the same. Reds look brown, they can't see purple because purple is blue and red and they can't see the red component. Um, and, and when they say that they can't see purple, uh, what do they see instead, white? They see blue. Okay. So if you, mm -hmm. so a person who's red green color deficient sees yellow and blue accurately, mm -hmm. maybe less bright. So if they're looking at purple, which is a combination of red and blue, and they can't see the red, they only see, see blue. blue. So mm -hmm. the same is true for skin tones. Uh, they can't see like for pink, can't see the red that's in pink. So see white or gray. So many of us look a lot more zombie-like to the colorblind than we think. <laughs> and uh, what exactly is wrong with their eyes that prevents them from uh, discerning colors? Uh, so this is a, um, a problem with the uh, two of the uh, photoreceptors that are responsible for color. So there are three color receptors in the retina. Uh, they're called the cones. They're given names for uh, the ranges of wavelengths of color that they're actually sensitive to. And so we have S cones for the short wavelengths, M cones for the medium uh, wavelengths and L cones for the long wavelengths. They're commonly uh, referred to as the blue, green, and red cones. Um, so there's this range of sensitivity and this combination of the way in which uh, these three cones receive uh, these signals is the way in which we process that information and your brain actually, quote, sees or is sensitive to a particular color, that sensation, if you will. And we give those sensations names. And in English, uh, the sensation for uh, what we've termed red is any variety of reds. And we can see all different kinds of reds, fire engine red and uh, uh, poppy red and you know the, the red that's in um, different kinds of flowers or, or the darkness of, of different reds. Same for greens, same for all the different colors. But for the person who's colorblind, the sensitivity of one of the cones, the M or the L cone, is shifted. If they're a dutan, green deficient, the sensitivity range of the M cone is shifted to act more like an L cone, a red cone. And that changes then this range or this spectrum of colors that they're actually able to see. And so they don't see all of the shades of colors that others see. In fact, for someone who is strongly color deficient, they may only see 10% of the colors, the million or so colors that the person who has typical or, or you know, good color acuity. For a person who is red deficient, a protein, mm -hmm. their L cone acts much more like an M cone, acts more like the green cone. 
And so they see an overall um, lesser range of colors than uh, even a Dutan sees. And so again, their reds become brown. Uh, again, purple is difficult to see. Uh, pink is difficult to see. Um, and uh, greens become uh, also move toward the, the brownish kind of colors. So the, the red berries in a, in a bush, in a green bush are not visible actually to those individuals. So anatomically, their eyes are, are pretty normal and the, the histologically, the, the cells responsible for perceiving colors are there, but they're just not functional, right? That's correct. Their mm -hmm. sensitivity is different. So they send a different ratio of signal. So our ability to see color usually is um, each of the cones is contributing to the uh, process signal that we see as a color. And so if you move one of their ranges, then that ratio changes. And so the net result is it's seen as a different color. In fact, they don't have the same range. And I guess that might, that might explain why it's so challenging like, to make the diagnosis because there's no like test like to confirm this, there's no finding for the doctor to see, right? Like it's a, it's a functional test that proves or disproves the, 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 the diagnosis, right? Ah, but you know, turn of the last century, um, there was a test developed uh, called the Ishihara test. And it was a result of a train accident. Um, and so the, conductor on the train couldn't see the signals because it was color deficient. So a elegant, simple screening test was developed and the audience I'm sure is familiar with uh, those um, plates made of dots. And in that, uh, that uh, dot arrangement is a number or a symbol of some kind that you try to identify. Well, those tests are can easily show whether you're color uh, deficient. Now, Enchroma on its website has a more um, uh, technical-based test. Um, there are other kinds of tests that can be done in the practitioner's office that can help determine the types of colorblindness. And so um, it uses that same plate dot number arrangement, but it will teach you at the end or teach the practitioner whether you're a dutan, a protan, or in fact a tritan. And moreover, um, the Enchroma test will uh, teach you the severity, estimate the severity of your color deficiency and whether uh, it's mild, moderate, strong, or extreme. And it turns out that this amount of shifting that occurs in this range of sensitivity is in fact what ends up as whether you are mildly, moderately, or strongly color deficient. So it's a, it's a clever way to identify who you are and describe the type and severity of color deficiency that uh, you have, your child has, or your partner. 
Yeah, so that's sort of one of the questions that I would have if there was like different, uh, if it was like a spectrum, right? There's different degrees of uh, coral uh, deficiency. Uh, it, it's still talking about the congenital uh, types of coral deficiency. Does it get worse with time or is it something stable? Like whatever you're born with, you keep it like throughout your life. Yeah, exactly. For those that are congenitally red-green color deficient, what you're born with, is what you have your whole life. Mm -hmm. The, I think the the, it, it's worth uh, mentioning that as we age, color vision as well as acuity and contrast sensitivity, that all changes with aging, and um, certainly the audience knows about cataracts by age seventy five or so quarter of the population has a significant cataract. Now, that cataract could be because the lens is so significantly yellow, um, a brunescent cataract. And um, as we age, starting at around age 10, there's a, a chromophore, a, a color, a light absorbing, ultraviolet absorbing uh, material in the crystalline lens that, um, is used to protect the retina from ultraviolet. And its um, secondary effect is that its byproduct is yellow. So the lens begins to yellow with age. So a yellow is a good filter to absorb the color blue, for example. So a person who is in their seventies doesn't see blue as well. And for the ophthalmological uh, staff that's in this audience um, or opticians, uh, optometrists, you know that uh, when post-cataract, the patient will say to you when you give them their spectacles, they go, oh my God, blue is so blue. And uh, what was eggshell before is now white for my vision because that cataractus lens was pretty yellow and it changes the way we see color. So we acquire a color deficiency just from normal aging of the eye. And in addition, there are many age-related eye conditions, uh, diabetic retinopathy, age-related macular degeneration, glaucoma, uh, any other cone dystrophies. Uh, they all contribute to an acquired color vision deficiency as well as other vision issues. And uh, in terms of uh, treatment, I would assume that those uh, secondary causes of color deficiency are somewhat uh, uh, treatable, but the congenital types, uh, is there any, any treatment? Sure. So um, thanks for the invitation to be able to talk about um, um, a, a spectacle product, an eyeglass product. And um, at our company in Chroma, we make uh, two kinds of uh, uh, lenses, one for the uh, color vision deficient congenital community, um, those with red green color blindness. And we make a separate uh, series of lenses for age related uh, eye conditions. Um, and so uh, let me talk about the glasses for color vision deficiency. You know, it's, uh, it's an interesting population of, of patients, individuals, overall, it's about 4% of the population. So it's actually a lot of people, but it affects men mostly. It's one in 12 men, 
are red, green, colorblind, one in 200 women. That's because it's a recessive trait that's on the X chromosome. Man has one X chromosome, an X and a Y. If he has this recessive trait, he presents as colorblind. So we, we can to pass it to, to our children then. Oh uh, yeah. So mm -hmm. what's interesting is is uh, we we believe that one in six women are actually carriers of this mm -hmm. recessive trait, and that's that's because for a woman to be colorblind, since she has two X chromosomes, she needs the recessive trait on both. So both parents have, were colorblind deficient. Mm -hmm. If she has it on only one X chromosome, she doesn't present as colorblind but there's a 50-50 chance her male child will be CVD. And mm. we think one in six women carry the trait. So that's really why it's so prevalent. So um, testing your child, mom, all the moms in the audience, it's really important because again, color is a, a very important in education. So understanding the opportunity to know that there is this difficulty and confusion of colors then can help in the ways in which one, maybe um, our glasses will work for them. Two, there are some accommodations that need to be uh, uh, known in school uh, on behalf of the teacher and the, you know, the work. And for those in the audience that are CVD, color vision deficient, um, think about your smartphone screen, think about, um, looking at graphs and charts that have lots of different colors, many of those lines, dots on those charts all look the same. So it, it's an interesting opportunity for you to um, take care of it for yourself or take care of it for your patients or um, help with someone you know who's color vision deficient. Right, and uh, so the, the, the eyeglasses developed by a company like can certainly help that. And uh, I'm curious to know about the science behind it. Like, I mean, how exactly an eyeglass can, can correct a congenital deficiency? Ah, so the great question. Um, so if, remember I described this uh, range of sensitivities to various wavelengths for the three uh, photoreceptors responsible for color, the cones. So it's um, because there's this shift of one of the sensitivities. So think about uh, one of your hands, your hands are next to each other and one of them covers part of the other hand. There's now less separation between the two cone sensitivities and the M and the L cone, the green and the red cone. So we produce a filter that gets, absorbs the colors, the wavelengths in this overlap. So we are artificially creating a separation between the red and the green cone that existed before in a person who has typical color vision. So what we're doing in effect is reducing this overlap. And when we do this, brain is very magical. It actually can, with this information and this separation and the 
taking away of the confusing wavelengths, it can reassemble color along the red-green axis. And so this is neural. Um, for some people, um, it happens instantaneously. For others, it may take a few weeks, but the brain begins to put back together the ability to see shades of color, other colors, more chromatic contrast, if you will, um, than it was before our glasses. If, uh, if I'm sorry to just, because uh, it makes me think about that condition like amblyopia, right? that kids that need glasses for refractive errors, then the sooner we start them on it, the better, because the brain needs to learn how to see like in the early age, uh, is it similar with color deficiency? Like, I mean, if we start a kid on those glasses, they're more likely, their brains are more likely to learn than someone that it's like under mid age already? We believe that that's true up to a point. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason I say that is the recent study from uh, uh, Jack Werner at UC Davis showed that not only did our glasses improve this chromatic contrast and color identification for wearers, but there was what uh, the researchers called persistence. That's to say, when a wearer of our glasses removed the glasses, that color improvement was retained for a short period of time and eventually faded. So that kind of plasticity, I think, is exactly what you're talking about. Now, in amblyopia, um, early on, it was thought that you needed to start kids as early as possible, but by the time they were seven to 10 years old, you lost that ability to actually train uh, the eye to see. Uh, there was some um, uh, something in the literature um, last year or the year before, I think, in which now it's been recognized that uh, this learning process of vision takes place all the way up till maybe age 35. And so um, I can't, you know, we, we don't have enough data other than anecdotal comment from our wearers that say, you know, when I take my glasses off, I think I see just as well for a short period of time. And from this study, it showed persistence. So the brain is quite plastic and, um, this is color, since color is not, is a construction of information collected by the retina, but interpreted in the brain. Um, I think there's real opportunity here. And I think it's why people who wear our glasses like them so much is because of what it does for them in real life. And, and the eyeglass itself, is it like a one-size-fits-all sort of thing? Or, or do you need to examine the patient and, and determine what kind of deficiency they have or the degree of it before you recommend a, a, a particular type of glasses? Sure. So for color uh, blindness, we make two different kinds of filters. We make lenses for dutans and lenses for pro strong protans. The strong protan has very special kind of needs. So they're um, very disadvantaged with red. So we make a lens that allows more red through as part of the filter, the ratio of red. Uh, we allow more through. So in fact, it's helpful for this 
individual to um, understand their type of colorblindness, dutan or protan, and understand the severity, mild, moderate, or strong. And then we make a recommendation as to which filter based on our experience and our testing is the most logical of our lenses for dutans or lenses for protans, which works for them. And, um, and that's usually uh, pretty accurate. It works pretty well. In fact, in the uh, eye care professional's office, the optometrist, ophthalmologist, optician's offices that sell our product, they have a fitting kit and a chart that says, if you test with this result, a moderate dutan, here's your best first choice lens to try. And so that, that works out pretty well. And this way we can very quickly um, get people to a solution for their kind of colorblindness. You know, most of the uh, colorblind community are dutans, 75%, but 25% of protans. And uh, so it requires two solutions. And so I have a double question now. First, how limiting it is to have a color deficiency? What, what activity that they cannot do? And how, what is the, the, the positive impact that uh, wearing the glasses could have on their lives? Like just things that they could not do. And then after using the glasses, they became able to. Sure. The, that, that makes me smile because your audience uh, may have, and if, if you haven't, there are some 20,000 uh, first-time user videos that people that purchase our glasses have put online. And um, we don't organize any of those. The, these mm -hmm. are things that um, our uh, wearing community does on their own. And, and, and is there like a, is, a hashtag or something? Or how can we find those videos? I got well, curious just now. Just Google, <laughs> Google uh, Enchroma or go to YouTube and uh -huh. search Enchroma. All right. And you, they will pop up. And um, you know the what it shows is um, people seeing a sunset. You asked what don't they usually see? Well, uh, sunsets are not the brilliant kind of reds that um, uh, people with typical color vision see. Um, in everyday um, tasks. It's really tough for a person who's color vision deficient to choose ripe fruits and vegetables because they can't see the nuance of the shades of color. And so, in fact, food is not as um, visibly, visually enticing because of the difficulty with color. Choosing paint colors, choosing clothing, wearing clothing, matching clothing is really difficult for the, the color vision deficient. And, and so they uh, will have somebody that helps them choose clothes or help them match, or they become very limited in the kinds of colors they choose. And so they wear the same colors, uh, color combinations all the time. So our glasses give people an opportunity outdoors and we sell mostly uh, much more outdoor uh, sunglasses because the world is so beautiful in color. Um, and we do sell indoor versions and we sell them in non-prescription and prescription versions and all the contemporary kinds of prescription eyewear. Uh, 
so that people can uh, manage uh, whatever kind of situation they're in. And uh, if our glasses work for them, enjoy it with much more brilliance and saturation of colors. Yeah, that's cool. That's very interesting. What's next then for the company? Like, I mean, I'm sure that there's so many great minds there that, you know, you, you, I mean, good researchers are never satisfied. So is there any product in the pipeline? Is there any other disease that uh, uh, the, the research team decided to tackle on? Oh, yeah, there, there are. Um, one is, you know, our, our, on the colorblind side, our glasses don't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. So we continue to look at uh, ways in which to improve this filter so that we can bring this kind of uh, color vibrancy, saturation, new kind of color to uh, more individuals. So for the audience, it is important to know that we, our glasses work for 80, 85% of the colorblind population, but there is still some individuals where either it's not enough of a difference for the cost of our glasses, or because of the severity, this range of color vision deficiency, their severity, our filter just doesn't work. Um, so that's an important aside and a very practical one. So a trial is, is really important and as a result, um, recognizing this, um, we allow anyone who purchases our glasses 60 days to try them um, and can return them, no questions asked. Um, I think that um, the other side of the effect of color uh, on color of uh, aging or age-related uh, eye conditions is really ultimately a very large opportunity. And uh, we have a series of lenses that we have launched uh, recently um, and continue to talk about in the marketplace and, and improve. And this is for, um, you know, the idea came about, if we think about color blindness in its most extreme form, um, there are people that do see in black and white. The condition is called achromatopsia. And these are individuals who don't have cones or cones that don't function at all. Um, so they have no opportunity for color vision. It also means that they have no opportunity for very acute or sharp vision because not only are the cones responsible for color, they are responsible for giving you very sharp, clear vision. And if you wear a prescription, it is uh, that change of uh, uh, focus that uh, your practitioner works at to produce a prescription that helps you see clearly uh, all related to the cones. So in thinking about color blindness and thinking about how we might help all those with acquired color deficiency, and in fact, the other things that go along with it, contrast, color contrast, uh, functional vision, if you will. Um, we thought about this person who was achromatopsic, um, only saw in black and white, no cones. 
So that means that they had only rod vision. The other uh, photoreceptor that's in the retina um, used for vision. And in thinking about that, the rod C is used for night vision, uh, 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 low light conditions, um, is not capable of very sharp vision. So we have a person who is achromatopsic is extremely sensitive to light. Uh, they will wear sometimes two and three pair of sunglasses, a hat, um, be, just to, because the, any kind of light is, is too much. So we built a series of lenses that goes from um, a very light filter to so dark that this achromatopsic person can wear it. And so we go from 80% transmission lenses in four different kinds to 3% transmission, almost no light getting through. But in the unique way we improve color contrast, we're able to actually create a brightening effect with this lens. So that's the first time that that's been done. So this series of lenses we call LX for low vision prescription improves color contrast, improves the vibrancy of reds and greens because anyone with an age-related eye condition is losing color. Any low vision patient is color vision deficient. And so we've, in our testing found, and we believe that if we can improve the chromatic contrast, the actual color vibrancy, we can tickle visual memory, and we can give somebody back functional vision. We can't improve their acuity per se, but we can give them back this kind of chromatic contrast improvement that allows them to, as I said, rely on this functional memory. Let me, let me we, we have an optometrist in Michigan who sells our products. Um, he made these LX lenses for his mother a 90-year-old woman in a memory care facility. And the staff said to him that with the glasses, she's able to negotiate the change of texture from tile to carpet with much more confidence than she had been. So we think of it as visual memory of functional vision that while she doesn't have the acuity she's a low vision patient, we can trigger other kinds of things that make up vision that we rely on every day that you with good color acuity, good acuity from a you know, 2026 point of view um, rely on, uh, that's really your functional vision is made up of color contrast and that acuity all used together. And that's what gives you mobility and independence. So one should think of this new product, these LX filters, as a way of helping to manage any kinds of maculopathy or retinopathy uh, where there's a loss of functionality of the cones. The other thing that uh, we think is important in these lenses is considering uh, rod vision. So these lenses are filtering out the light that affect rod vision. So the sensitivity of the rods, we are absorptive to that kind of light. So we protect the rod for 
night vision, dark adaptation. And the same is true for the IPRGCs. So there are a variety of opportunities in these lenses for um, uh, the over 50 year old in any kind of situation where uh, vision is on a path to what might be termed, uh, you know, no functional vision or a total loss of, of vision. Yeah, that, that it's such an interesting perspective because like for those macular conditions, the, 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 I mean, the metrics of success have always been anatomical or visual equity, right? But very little it, it, it's talked about in terms of uh, like color sensitivity. Yeah, I, I think that um, an opportunity here for the practitioner is in the treatment regimen uh, for like AMD, where there are regular visits managing the changes that occur, that there may be injections, you know, VEGF injections uh, to uh, help to manage the change early detection of uh, photopigment changes. But what do you do for the everyday life of that patient when they leave your office? And how do we manage their glare sensitivity, which is increasing uh, with age and with most of these conditions and their loss of contrast sensitivity with these conditions? One of the better ways of doing it is with filters. Now, for most offices, that's been left to the patient themselves to when they're experiencing an issue to go shop for sunglasses, for example. But I think that the practitioner with a, um, an understanding of how these filters work can actually in their office prescribe a better solution uh, for their outdoor, indoor, daytime, nighttime kinds of needs. And that makes for uh, just a, uh, a more mobile patient as their disease is, you know, progressing. And it's a solution that it's relatively inexpensive, uh, non-invasive, and like basically risk-free, right? Like, I mean, it's not something like, that, that, it's always that's worth exactly trying. True. Yeah, I, I think you put it really well. Um, it is, um, it's interesting, um, you know, as we talked in colorblindness, where for some patients, it may take some time for them to recognize the improvement. In the case of these lenses, that improvement is immediately noticed. And um, in fact, I've been an optician for a long time. And so I wear these lenses um, in its lightest version when I work at the computer all day long and um, I prefer them. And for those in the optical community, uh, we know that the over 50 year old sort of changes to brown sunglasses from gray ones uh, because of the improvement in contrast, because of the loss of contrast that occurs over a lifetime. And so there, I think there's a real opportunity here to uh, really help the everyday life of these patients. 
Very cool, Mark. I guess that's it. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and uh, uh, bringing awareness about this product that you know, can help so many people. Uh, that was the other thing that I wasn't very aware of, like I mean, how prevalent uh, color deficiencies is. So I hope uh, a lot of people see this episode and then uh, they, they, they take action you know, to get something that like, might improve their lives. Sure. And um, our website, Enchroma.com, um, is full of educational information um, on types of colorblindness. If you have a child who is colorblind, what's the path um, that, that it takes? Uh, you, know, um, you know, what about is my dog, what colors does my dog see? You know, color is this really wonderful thing in our lives. And uh, we want to celebrate that for everybody. So I invite everyone listening to this podcast to visit the website and to uh, ask questions of us. Uh, we're available through the website and uh, happy to talk to you and, and um, help you in any way that we can. All right. Mark, thanks again. Uh, I won't hold you any longer. It was, uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. And uh uh, I hope that in the future we're going to have the opportunity to bring you again. Thanks so much, Bruno. I appreciate a, the time very much. Thanks to Broad Eye. Have a good day, Mark. Thanks.